Hi, Marked listeners. We're planning some exciting things for the future of the podcast, so we want to hear from you. Take our fun survey and give us all of your opinions about Marked to enter for a chance to win a Lifeway Women backpack filled with Bible studies and other great resources for diving into God's Word. To take the survey, go to lifewaywomen.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heinemann. And this is Kelly King. We're so glad to have you back. Yeah. And we are excited today to talk about um, love. <laughs> and we're going to. It is going to be February when I this know. is aired. And so, yeah. It is, but we're going to. It's in a different aspect, I would say. Right. Yeah. So today we're talking with Michael Gibson. So, Michael, say hi. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hi, Elizabeth and Kelly. It's so great to be able to be on this podcast. And I know we're going to probably, you know, talk about a few things. And, and But I wanted to first and foremost say thank you so much for what you both are doing, because this podcast, I know we were talking a little bit about this before we got started, but I had two sisters and a mom that love this podcast. And it's so encouraging to women all over the world. And, and so I just so appreciate what you guys are doing. And it's fun to be able to be with you today. And um, and just to tell you a little bit about myself, I um, uh, I love giving this answer when, when people ask me to introduce myself because I heard it from this pastor named Erwin McManus. Do you guys know who oh, Erwin yeah, is? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he told this hilarious story that he was uh, speaking at, uh, at at TED Talks, and he was, he was giving a TED Talk, and, and uh, he said one of the questions that everyone loves to ask each other at that event is, is what do you do? And so um, you know, a lot of times authors are not just authors, they do so many other things. And right. so his, uh, he, you know, kept going through kind of the laundry list of what he does. And so finally, he, um, this one guy asked him, so what do you do? And he said, well, he said, I do a whole lot of things, but not a whole lot of things. Well, and he <laughs> said, well, so you must be a writer. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. <laughs> I, I, so I love that response. And, and so, um, but it's true. I'm a I'm an author, and it was just fun to be able to say I released my book back in August of 2019. And and um, but I've I like this. I'm just I just turned 26, and um, so I like to say that I've been a part of marriage and family ministry for 26 years because um, my grandfather was this man named Gary Smalley. Oh, that a lot uh, does of anybody know who Gary Smalley is? If you're not, just yes, just Google him real quick. If you don't know who Gary Smalley is, yeah. Oh man, he was such a, a cool man, and and was such a big part of my life. And and for those of you that uh, that maybe have never heard the name Gary Smalley, he was a author and speaker on marriage. And and um, get this, my uh, his publisher just told me that um, in his lifetime he sold over twenty million resources, and uh, wow. between his books and his videos and his That's studies, incredible. and so. That yeah, is. and spoke all over the world, and and so that was the man I got to call grandpa, and uh, and so you know what I loved about my grandfather is um, is he really was made a wise decision to make every single member of his family feel welcome in his ministry, and so his kids, you know, my uncles and my mom were a big part of uh, of his ministry growing up, setting up for his conferences, and. 
um, you know, and, and even getting to share the stage. And, and then we started having grandkids. I'm the oldest um, grandchild. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was uh, six years old and, and he invited me to go on a speaking trip with him, which, you know, I mean, I was just my, I had stars on my eyes the whole time and, and <laughs> uh, got to help him at his conference. I was kind of like his glorified intern and guinea pig really my entire life. And, and then I remember when he put me on the stage for the first time when I was 10 years old and, and uh, got to bring me along on, on television and radio interviews. And, and so, um, so I, I just grew up with just this incredible man and, and I got to witness his ministry and his um, family life um, firsthand. And, and so, uh, but it's cool to be able to continue that on. And I guess I'm on the other side of the internship and I've gotten <laughs> promoted to author and, and, um, and I also get to speak around the country as well. And so, um, so it just, it's been such a ride and, and such an incredible journey. And, and, uh, so, um, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah. That's such a great legacy and, and knowing who your grandfather, you know, was and just the impact that he has had mm-hmm. on so many relationships. And that's really kind of a little bit, your book kind of takes even to a, a different level and your book is called real life love. And so Elizabeth and I were kind of wondering like, what's the story behind it and kind of what made you want to write about it? Yeah, well, I, um, I, I wanted to, to write this book. It, it's, it's funny being able to, to say this now on the, on the other side of this, but I actually graduated um, from college with my degree in broadcasting. So what we're doing right now, this is kind of my wheelhouse. I love this kind of thing. And I, uh, I remember after I graduated, it was the craziest thing. I had hosted uh, a local television program here in Missouri. Um, it was a restaurant review program. So if you like diners, drive-ins and dives with Guy Fieri, oh, yes. you probably would have yeah. watched this show. And and yeah, so it was fun. I got to go all over the Ozarks and, and try different foods. And, and, um, uh, and so I, that television show aired on, on NBC and um, I uh, ended up winning an Emmy award for, um, for hosting that show. And so I, um, okay, wait a second, you won an Emmy award yeah. and it was right. Okay. So how old were you when you won this? I was, uh, I was 22. Wow. And um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, that was all before I graduated from college. And I remember I walked across the stage May of 2017 and I remember the rest of all my friends were really nervous about, you know, finding a job. And, and I, I don't know if yes. maybe just kind of <laughs> some level of arrogance or something, but I was like, man, I got this in the bag. You know, I have an Emmy in, in one hand and a degree in the other hand, and I'm ready to, you know, face the world. And, and, um, Elizabeth and Kelly, it was crazy because I, I couldn't get one job interview. Mm. And I mean, I sent my resume all over the country and mm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get anybody to call me back. And so it was really the very first time in my life where I ever had to really sit back and listen for the voice of God and what he truly wanted for me in my life. And, you know, I had grown up at my grandfather's conferences and, and hearing people say things like, you know, you're going to follow in your grandfather's footsteps. But I would kind of always smile and say, you know, oh, that's so nice of you to say, but, you know, I'm on my own path and have my own passions. And, mm-hmm. and but it was really that moment of, I guess, brokenness of, I really feeling rejected from an industry that I felt, you know, that I had, um, I had already accomplished a little in. And, and, uh, and so I, I remember, um, I was, I was having a conversation with a, with a good friend of mine, um, who his parents, um, had just announced they were getting a divorce and it was, uh, he came over to my house and, uh, knocked on my door and, and, uh, and was just, you could just see the brokenness in his face. And, and, um, and so we sat down and, and he started telling me about, and the, you know, his parents had just called him and, and said that they were getting a divorce and, and how much pain he felt and how he didn't know what was going to happen to him or his brother. And I, I remember he, he paused and he looked at me and he said, 
hey, he said, was it your grandpa, that famous relationship expert? What was his name? Gary something? And I was like, Gary Smalley. And he was like, yeah. He said, what do you think your grandpa would tell me to do in this situation? And, and so I, I just kind of shared something that I had learned from my grandfather. And, and his face lit up and he sat back and he said, man, he said, I had never thought about it like that before. I'd never seen my parents treat each other like that. And, uh, and so it was really cool to be able to watch. We actually met a few times and and it was really cool to see my grandfather's principles have such an incredible effect on my on my friend, and um, and so it was it was kind of right then and there where I feel like the Lord really showed me what my true purpose was, and so um, and so I started just sharing with um, people my age, millennials and Gen Zers, about um, what I learned from my grandfather, and uh, it was amazing to see just the effect that it was having, and and so that was really where real life love was born out of, um, was um, was really wanting to pass along my grandfather's wisdom to. Um, to the millennial generation because, you know, the millennial generation is the most broken generation relationally. Our parents carry a 60% divorce rate. And so that's, that's really where um, I guess my passion was born out of this. And I guess where this book came from. Yeah. And, and honestly, the book isn't just on like marriage relationships or like love in that dating kind of relationship, but it's mm-hmm. really about relationships in general, like how do we love well? Is that kind of a, a good way to summarize that? Yeah, I always love to say that this is not a marriage book, it's a relationship book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, my grandpa used to say this quote that still resonates with me today. He used to say that life is relationships and the rest is just details. And so that was kind of a big awakening moment for me was um, I, I had read this passage of scripture. It comes out of uh, Matthew 22. And, uh, I, you know, it was one of those scriptures that I had read, you know, hundreds of times. But I remember reading it with fresh eyes for the very first time. And um, it was really where Jesus gives us uh, his greatest commandment. You know, he's, he's talking with the Pharisees and Sadducees and they're trying to trip them up. And, and they basically ask him, what is the meaning of life? And he says that that famous verse that we all know and love, which is we should love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then in the same breath, he also says to love others the way that we want to be loved. And, and so he really gives us two great commissions there, which the first one is to be in a beautiful, wonderful, vibrant relationship with God, the Father, but to also love the people in our life. And, and you know, for married, I love how this verse doesn't say we should just love our spouse or, uh, you know, our kids mm-hmm. or the people in our inner circle, but we should love everyone. And so, um, and so I, I really, that, that idea that life is relationships really became real to me. And so that's what I love about this book is because I'm actually single. And so um, I, I'm not married. And, and, but as a single person, I still have a tremendous amount of relationships that I get that the Lord allows me to be able to be a part of every single day. And so this book is really built around principles that um, can pour a miracle grow on even the most broken relationship. And, and really that includes every human relationship we can have. Right. And I think that leads well into our next question because I feel like there's a lot of confusion about love and relationships in our churches today and just loving everybody. That whole, that concept is very confused because we tend to lean toward one way or the other, like the extremes of truth or love. So how does your book talk about those going hand in hand? And how do you think we can practice that, the truth and the love together? Because we know as believers, they do go hand in hand, but that's really hard to put into practice. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, I, I probably if my grandfather was was with us right now and, and it was a part of this interview and you, and you asked him, what is one thing that I could do today that would 
save my relationship or what would help me with my relationships? What's the number one thing? He probably would tell you that, that the greatest thing that we can do for our relationships is honor. And, um, you know, I, I write about that. It's the first chapter of my book and yeah. this is the most important. I was actually yeah. going to talk to you about that. So good. I'm glad you're going to go there. Tell, tell us some yeah. more about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, with, with honoring relationships, um, you know, there's this theme park. I, I, this is how I love to describe honor. And, and because I think a lot of times when we hear, well, we should honor, honor others in our relationship, you know, what does that really mean? And, and, um, and so, um, this is one of my favorite ways to describe this. And, and, um, there's this theme park by where I live called Silver Dollar City. Um, and uh, have you guys heard of Silver Dollar City? We have yes. heard of, I have been there several times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've never been, but I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, we may or may not have had a conversation about that before we started. So I had a smile on my face because I knew I wanted to go here. But um, And so uh, the, one of my favorite parts of Silver Dollar City is, um, you know, it's a place filled with roller coasters and funnel cakes. And, and uh, my family loves to just jump from roller coaster to roller coaster, eating funnel cakes as they go. But one of my <laughs> favorite parts of Silver Dollar City is often, the beaten path it's kind of nerdy it's the gold panning station i oh, love oh, the yeah. gold panning station yeah. i don't know what it is I, I think it's just the thrill of finding something ordinary uh, or finding something extraordinary amongst the ordinary that really excites me but you know how gold panning works you you pour a mound of uninteresting rock and dirt onto a sifter and you shake it back and forth and then hopefully left over you have these little gold flakes or maybe even a gold nugget if you're lucky I haven't found a gold nugget yet in Silver Dollar City, but I'm hoping I will uh, one of these days. Um, but my, my uh, kids think, actually do that. Like when they were little, they had little gold pans oh, that we yeah. like in Colorado, and yeah. we never oh, found man. anything. But it was always fun to go yeah. go look. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. Yes. No, no, no. Gold panning is so much fun, and and I, I it's just thrilling for me. And and uh, uh, I actually, my youngest sister is uh, is 11 years old, and um, and she's our, our Ethiopian princess. Um, we adopted her from Ethiopia and uh, she came into my life when I was 14 years old. And, and so, um, so she loves this kind of stuff. And so we love to do this together. But, um, but if you think about it, really um, relationships are kind of like the gold panning experience. Because if you think about it, each and every single one of us is kind of like those mounds of uninteresting rock and dirt. But the incredible thing is, is that we have things inside of us that are valuable. And really all it takes is it takes a, a perspective change to be able to really sift through the dirt and, and find those little gold flakes to treasure. And so that's really what honor is, is, is honor is a perspective change. It's looking at somebody for the, uh, the gold flakes and all the little um, things inside of them that are, that are worthy and that are worthy to be treasured, you know? And, um, and so for me, um, that was, that was one thing that, that really um, had a, a awakening for me, but you know, um, Elizabeth, I think you asked a question about, about mm -hmm. truth. And, and um, you know, um, I think that one of the breakdowns in culture, may, especially in the church, is, is I think a lot of us, um, I think a lot of us uh, don't really value and, and honor ourselves. And mm -hmm. I don't really think that we know really the, what, what truly is remarkable about ourselves. And, and so, um, in fact, that's one of my favorite aspects of this book. And, and it's also a journey that I went on myself is, is really uh, going on this journey to figure out, um, you know, what is your identity in, in, in a relationship and, and what truly makes you special and unique? Because how are you supposed to be able to love others like yourself if you don't love yourself? And so for me, that was one of the, the coolest uh, journeys, I think, you know, it was painful, 
but um, it, it was really figuring out what are the different things I can honor about myself and what are all the little gold flakes inside of me that I can learn to treasure about myself because when we're able to uh, find a love for ourselves, we're able to see ourselves like how Christ sees us, then that really helps us be able to branch out in love towards others. And um, and so really I, I, I was um, – this is actually just recently happened. I was speaking in Philadelphia and, and I was in the Apple store shopping for a new iPhone. And, uh, and this, the, the new iPhone has this really cool selfie ability where, um, you know, if, if you're vlogging, it can actually blur the background, which I guess is something new. And so this guy was showing me this and, and, um, and I said, really, I said, that's a really cool feature because I vlog from time to time because of what I do. And he said, well, what do you do? And so I told him I, I write books on relationships and, and, um, he said, Oh, he said, I have a question for you which is everyone's favorite thing to yeah. say um, when I tell them I write books on relationships. And, and um, he said, you know, I have a question for you. He said, why does nobody love me? Wow. And I sat back, I know. And I sat back and I thought, man, I said, well, I said, let me answer that question with another question is, do you love yourself? And I remember he, he looked at me and he goes, you know, he said, no one's ever asked me that before. He said, I don't, I don't really think I do. And, and I said, I said, wow, I said, well, let's, let's put together. And, and uh, one of the things my grandpa taught me to do was to make an honor list, um, which is kind of like, you know, pinpointing those different gold flakes inside of us um, and putting them on paper. And so, yeah, um, I love, I love the illustration that you use about that with your Spanish teacher. That you, Oh yeah. <laughs> that oh my goodness. Really good. I, had this, I had this Spanish teacher it was the worst. And so, you know, I, I, I remember I, I never thought I could ever be in a healthy relationship with my teacher and my, until I learn how to make an honor list. And it's really just sitting down and writing out the positive things that we can love about others. And, and in this particular situation, we made an honor list um, for, the, for that guy and some things that we could treasure about himself. And, uh, and so it's just, it shows you that, um, that really, if, if we want to find true love, then we need to find the true version of ourselves in a relationship. And so, um, and, and, you know, honor is a great way to be able to find out with others, but it's also a great way to find out with yourself too. Yeah. So does that kind of like, I mean, because when Elizabeth asked you, you know, leading mm-hmm. with truth or leading with love, really for, for you, it's kind of like as you honor somebody, that is how you're leading with love, but mm-hmm. you also lead with truth. But is that kind of where you're, you know, what we're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, honor is such a, is such a loving act, but, um, but what I, I love about that word truth is, is, um, you know, it's, I, th- I think that a big part of honor is because, you know, I think a lot of times the, the subtitle of my book is saying goodbye to the fairy tale and hello to true relationships. And so a lot of times, you know, I think we kind of skew the truth with this fairy tale version of love. And so I think when we can find um, truly what are, the, what are the true things that we can honor about others, but also finding the truth and what we can value about ourselves, I think that it, it kind of breaks down those barriers and, and kind of, um, I guess it's like a, a taking the, um, the shield off of your eyes and, and really being able to see somebody, um, you know, for truly who they are. And so I think when you're able to move to that side and um, it's be able to partner truth with honor, I think that's a, that's a beautiful combination. Well, and as you talk about that, and even mm-hmm. when you were talking about panning for gold and seeing the flakes of, of good things in people, um, one of the things you also talk about is just kind of the importance of understanding personalities and different kinds of personalities. And, you know, there's a lot of personality typing that's on trend, whether, it, you know, be, there's all different kinds of things <laughs> out there. But how, how can we use those tools to benefit our relationships without kind of going overboard? Yeah, absolutely. I am such a personality nerd. I love personality, like the Enneagram. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I love Enneagram. I'm a three, two, 
And um, so uh, I don't know. Do you guys know your your Enneagram yes. numbers? Oh yes, I'm a nine. <laughs> I'm a three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I relate, I relate to you, Michael. Sometimes yeah. I like that. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I know. The pain points of being a three. Yes. I think that's every, everyone. And it doesn't matter which personality typing system you use. You kind of love and hate your personality, like the typing, because you're just like, well, I like this sometimes, but sometimes it's a real drag, you know, just depending. Yeah. I know. And that's such a beautiful picture of us as people, right? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, there's areas that we excel and we love. There's other areas that we need to grow in. And, and, uh, but I, I totally agree with you. I love personalities and, and, you know, when it comes to different tools like that, like with Enneagram, um, my grandfather and, um, this guy named Dr. John Trent, um, was a brilliant psychologist developed this uh, personality assessment based on animals. So the lion, we still yeah, use yeah. some of those in some of our personality things and, mm-hmm. and some of our leadership conferences. We still use that. Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing that. But yeah, so you, you know, it's the lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever. Yes. And, uh, and so, you know, there's so many different pers- The one I write about in the book is actually developed by my friend and mentor, Dr. Les Parrott. Um, he wrote a, a, his famous book is called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And, and Les is such an un- incredible psychologist and yes. teacher on relationships. And uh, he developed this personality assessment called the Yada assessment, um, which is which is actually based off the research. You know, Les was one of the co-founders of eHarmony Marriage. And so if, if anyone listening uh, met their spouse through eHarmony, uh, you have Dr. Les Parrott to thank for that because he's actually the one that developed the assessment and the science behind the assessment that matched uh, couples. And so um, so he used that research and the, and the personality research and he put it into this assessment called Yada. And really what I think all these personality assessments bring to a relationship is I think it, I think it gives us a, um, an understanding about how different individuals tick. Because right. um, I, I like using my grandfather's um, personality assessment, for example, uh, my personality is is I'm a um, I'm a golden retriever, which is more of the sensitive personality, mm-hmm. and um, and so. But my my dad is a is a lion personality, which lions are really more the authoritarian, you know, kind of the, uh, the they're great natural born leaders. Um, but you know, sometimes like we just just were talking about, there's positives and negatives to every personality. Lions right. can tend to kind of bulldoze over people, and so my dad knows that probably a way to approach me in conflict isn't necessarily coming at me with words or, um, you know, maybe harsh tones, but it's really, you know, coming out of to more of a sensitive aspect because I'm more of a sensitive guy. And, right. um, but knowing my dad, I know that when I, you know, have something that maybe, you know, upset me or maybe something that hurt my feelings that my dad did, I don't have to beat around the bush. I can go, I can just say, you know, dad, this really upset me. This really hurt my feelings. And I really like to talk with you about that. And, you know, he would probably be extremely excited, you know, that I actually came to him, you know, with my honest feelings. And so I think personality is such a great tool to be able to understand how to get along with the people that are around us. And my, my grandfather wrote, if, 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 um, if you have kids that you really want to uh, want to discuss personality with, uh, my grandfather and John Trent actually wrote this book called um, "The Treasure Tree." And I remember my mom reading that to me when I was a kid. And and uh, but from the time I was a kid and and dealing with my friends and, and teachers all through school to now being an adult um, and uh, and dealing with people in the workplace or you know as I navigate the crazy world of dating or different things like that, it's really really cool to be able to because uh, I can instantly pinpoint 
oh man, you know, this person's an honor. So they're a fun loving, you know, party waiting to happen. So, you know, it's good to, to make, you know, different conversations, different things sound fun. Or, you know, if somebody's a more of an organized personality, my grandfather used to call that the beaver personality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they are like structure and detail. So coming in with, you know, a, a crazy, wild, spontaneous idea probably isn't going to go very well um, with that type of personality. And so it's a great tool to be able to gauge um, how to be in relationship with the people around you. And I love personalities. I could talk about that for hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like what it's done for me, just all of the personality tests, um, is they've helped me to understand, first of all, why I do things the way that I do. Because there's a lot of times when like I did the strengths finder test and that one was one that I like it got my strengths perfectly. And there were things that I do, like I did in my everyday life that I didn't know that everyone didn't do. Like I was just like, Oh, that's just what we all do. And then my boss who like helped me take the test and was trying to figure out like how to best use my strengths um, in my job was like, Oh no, Elizabeth, not everyone does this. Like you're the only person I know that does this. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so it helps you to understand yourself better and why you're doing what you're doing. But then I think one of the biggest benefits, just like you said, is understanding other people, but it's also providing compassion because I'm like, Oh, I understand now why you're doing that. And that makes me be more compassionate and more patient with you maybe, or maybe um, just understanding where you're coming from just leads to so much like grace because it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I don't think that way, but because I know that you're an introvert, then I know that you might need some more time alone than I would or whatever. I'm an introvert, so I also need time alone. But just, you know, too, how you process things, whether it's verbal or Mm -hmm. internal, that's true. And I've heard like um, one of our other podcasts at Lifeway is the Five Leadership Questions podcast. Mm -hmm. And Daniel M., who used to co-host it, talked about um, even the fact that introverts, like it's helpful for bosses to know if they're uh, co-workers or introverts, introverts, because then they can say ahead of a meeting, oh, I'm going to talk about these five things in the meeting. So just to give you a heads up, because that helps the introverts who are not out loud in the moment processors to go ahead and yeah. start processing things. And so it's just such a helpful uh, tool, no matter which kind you use. Like there are probably thousands. I heard of a new one today. So, I mean, I, was gonna say, I just, just took one today on creativity. Did you take that one? I've taken that okay, one before. Taken that one, yes. <laughs> but there's, um, so th- there's all kinds. And you don't have to do all of them and you don't have to. And I think an important thing too, with not going overboard. And I think this is why people tire of them so fast is somebody is not just their Enneagram number or their Myers-Briggs or what, or their animal, you know, they're, everybody looks different, but it's just a helpful way to kind of get to know, like at least one aspect of somebody's personality. Um, And, but I think we just have to be careful not to box people in and be like, oh, well, because you're an otter, then you're never going to be organized, you know, and that's not necessarily true. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's just the caution that we have to remember when we're doing this is that everybody is unique. We're all made in the image of God, but we're all made uniquely. And so and we all bring in very unique life experiences into our personalities. So, yeah, how we flesh that out and how we relate to others Mm -hmm. and. Uh, those are really good, even in the marriage relationship of just knowing that you're probably not going to marry someone that's your same personality. Yeah. Most people don't. And so. <laughs> yeah. And if you do, a, that's yeah. a whole other like. That would be a whole nother yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Another issue. Like, yeah. So one thing yeah. that we wanted to talk about with you, and it's something that you've 
brought up too, and I think it's it's interesting to me to hear from your side of this family aspect of ministry, because we hear from a lot of like moms and grandparents who are teaching their children and bringing their children alongside in the ministry, but we're not hearing from a lot of children and grandchildren. And so this is really cool, I think, for our listeners to hear this perspective. But you were clearly deeply influenced and inspired by your grandfather's work and your family's legacy. So how would you encourage someone who did not grow up with such an example in their home and family? Oh, that's a great, great question. And, and you know, sadly, um, I, I do get to talk with a, a lot of people that that is their story. And, you know, I, um, I it's always my heart breaks because, um, you know, um, it, it's it's a little bit of a, uh, have you guys ever heard of those uh, those stories like, um, uh, like with 9-11 or, or with some of these terrible tragedies, mm-hmm. but the people that um, that were suddenly, uh, they suddenly had an appointment change or, you know, maybe yeah. they were late or they didn't oh, yeah. wake up on time. And so because of those particular situations, um, they were, uh, they, they, they weren't, they weren't a part of that. And so they have mm-hmm. something called survivor's guilt. And yeah. so I don't, I wouldn't venture to say so far that I have survivor's guilt, but, um, because I feel so blessed that the Lord allowed me to be able to grow up in the family that, that I grew up in. But, um, you know, I, I honestly, um, I, I don't really know what it's like to um, to grow up and and uh, with with you know a, um, a a parent that didn't believe in you and a parent yeah. that that didn't acknowledge um, love and and didn't show love with um, you know in their marriage or with their kids or with their family and friends and and um, but I do get to talk to a lot of people that that is their story and um, probably one of the greatest pieces of advice that that I could that I could give is is um, is it's actually something that um, I wrote about in my book, which is um, which is about celebrating trials, mm. and um, and so you know people come to me with some really really um, difficult sad um, situations, and and uh, my heart breaks, and and um, but one of the things that I love to be able to find encouragement because. I think that God allows us to be able to go through difficult times in our life so that we can come out on the other side, being able to encourage others. And so that's just so beautiful about the people that go through really rough, um, you know, situations in their life is that they can, they come on the other side with such an extraordinary ministry. And one of my favorite examples of that is, um, is Christine Kane. Um, and, uh, Chris, Chris Kane, um, who actually, I think just released a a devotional called 2020 with you guys. Yeah. She has a Bible study with us. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so which is an absolute. Uh, I've heard it's an unbelievable resource, and and um, I've actually read several of Chris's books, and and um, Chris actually spoke at my church that I attend uh, here in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, when I was eighteen, and and was definitely a big part of my story as far as coming to ministry. But I love Chris's story because you know Chris came from such brokenness in her life, and um and uh, you know she. Uh, her her past is so painful, but um, what I what I love about Chris is that she was able to um, to embrace her past, and she was mm-hmm. able to to almost use her past to propel her into exactly what God has called her to be in today. And um, because she's such an incredible evangelist, and she encourages women all over the world to to live their God given purpose. And um, so what she did was she really was she really treasure hunted, and and um, that was one of the things that I learned from my grandfather. And um, I'll never forget he used to um. He used to carry these pom-poms with him, you know, like cheerleading pom-poms. And um, he would have them in his car and in his office. And, and um, you know, he would just carry them with him. And um, every single time I'd go to him and, and I would share something, you know, that I was struggling with. 
and or something that really irritated me or something that was so painful that you know I was sitting there crying with him. He would take out these pom poms and he would wave them around. He would say, "Yay!" <laughs> and you know, I would look at him like uh, his grandpa lost his marbles. But he would he would wave these pom poms around and say, "Oh, I can't wait to see what benefits you're going to have because of this horrible mm-hmm. thing that's happening to you." And so, you know, that would be my encouragement to people that, you know, are wanting to pursue the ministry and maybe didn't necessarily come from, you know, a fairy tale upbringing or a fairy tale background is to really begin to treasure hunt and, and look for the um, for the uh, the pearls and maybe these ugly oysters of, of your past. And and I think when we're able to focus on those pearls and, and focus on the um, on the incredible gifts that come out of those those places of pain. It gives us um, more empathy to be able to help the people that um, uh, that you know God has called us to, yeah. and so um, you know for me, um, and I, I know we probably don't have enough time for me to get into this, but um, you know I went, I was actually really bullied um, all through high school, and and um, and it was it was a really painful thing for me, and and um, but I'll never forget the day that that I began to actually look at. What are some of the things that God was trying to teach me? And what are some things that, even though that experience was horrible, what are some things that maybe um, that have happened that are positive in my life because of those, because of all those things that those people tease me about and all those uh, terrible um, situations? And so, um, and so, honestly, I don't think I would be doing what I am today if it wasn't for that bullying that I experienced in high school because it gave me such compassion for other um, young men and women who. Um, who maybe have, uh, you know, my mom used to say always in their heart, especially when it comes to relationships. And so really being able to find freedom from that. And uh, I, that, really, I think that that came from that compassionate place of of, um, of looking at, you know, where I was and, and where uh, where I am now. And so um, so that would be my advice to people that are listening, thinking, you know, man, I did not come from a, a family even close to, you know, the Smalley family. But um, but yeah. uh, you still can have a tremendous impact in this world if you learn to embrace that pain and, and use it to propel you for your God-given future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even just what, what you said about celebrating those hard mm-hmm. things, that, that's not always easy. No. Uh, but if, if we can kind of get to that point, and, yeah. and you, you are fortunate, what a great legacy you had. And I, I even like the parts in your book where you talked about how your grandfather encouraged you to memorize scripture and how that just really impacted you as well. But, uh, you know, one of the questions we always ask, mm-hmm. kind of our last question is, is there something that has really marked you? So, Michael, we'd love to hear what, what would you say has marked you? Yeah. Um, you know, what would, what has marked me is, is I've been, I've been thinking about that and, and I've heard so many different of your episodes. And so, um, and so I've, I've, you know, loved people's responses to that, but I would probably say that, uh, that the situations that have really marked me in my life is people that have believed in me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I actually, um, I, I, there was this, this couple, um, that, uh, they are, um, they were on television for years and, and, um, uh, they're just a, a remarkable, um, they're just remarkable human beings. And, and I remember I, uh, one of my uh, things I, I write about in my book that was a real, it was a painful thing that happened to me was, um, I was kicked out of my dream school. And um, I was uh, going to school in Southern California and, you know, being a Missouri boy, waking up every day and seeing the ocean outside my dorm window was just a dream come true for me. But uh, I actually got to go there because my parents um, spent some time on the mission field. And so I got a tremendous and wonderful um, uh, opportunity to be able to have a, a ministry scholarship to be able to go to the school. And so I had one incredible year at the school, but uh, my, my parents came back and resumed work. And so all of a sudden I had to start paying that tuition. I had way too many zeros behind it than I could you know, <laughs> ever imagine. 
And, um, and so I remember I was, I was so broken because I was like, man, I, you know, failed out here, but this couple believed in me enough to be able to see something in myself that I didn't even see at that time. And, um, and so they were just launching their nationally syndicated television show at the time. And, and so they invited me to actually come and, and live with them in their home and, and apprentice with them. And, and really they immersed me in everything they were doing. And I um, mean, every single day I got to hear how much they believed in me and, and how much they, how much potential they thought that I had in, in broadcasting and, and anything that I put my mind to. But really, I think that the place that I've been marked in my life is, is I feel like I haven't been marked just once. I feel like I've been marked by every single person that yes. has believed in me and given me a chance. And so I, that, and you know, if I could provide some uh, last encouragement to our listeners right now is, is I guarantee you there are people around you right now that are, that are wanting so desperately to, um, to be, acknowledged and to be heard and and that probably have tremendous potential. And one of the things I love is this quote from Bob Goff is is um he said that we should help that we should tell people who they are, even if they don't really know that's who they are yet. Because a lot of times when we tell people who they are, they become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And um and so that's uh that was definitely something that I'm I'm so grateful the Lord's allowed me to have such tremendous mentors that have marked me with um, with such incredible love and, and grace and and um, has helped and I guarantee you that that all of those people that have helped me get there uh, is the reason why I'm talking to you today so um, and so I'm so grateful for that yeah and I think we can all think about those people in our lives that have shown us and and hopefully we all have at least one person um, who has just kind of as Mr. Rogers says loved us into being um, who we are yeah. today and so uh, I just saw the movie, so I, I, it's top of mind. But so I think we yeah. can all think of those people. And if you can't, then I would encourage you to try to be that person for someone. And I think that's just an incredible challenge for us, especially uh, this is Valentine's week. And so um, whether or not you had a Valentine, just think about some people that you can kind of speak honor into and, and show them what you see in them that is their potential and whether that's those gold flex. Yeah. Yeah. And so we would love to hear about that. If you want to share about some people in your life that have done that for you or how you're doing it for someone these days, uh, just use the hashtag March podcast and that way we'll be able to see it. And so we're so glad and so thankful to be able to talk to you today, Michael. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Hey, thank you. This has been so much fun. I've so enjoyed this. We'll see y'all next time. Well, that was a really great conversation with Michael, and I hope that you enjoyed it as our listeners. And we have some other things coming up, like our online Bible studies. So, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about what's coming up. Yes. So, we pretty much always have an online Bible study going on at LifewayWomen.com slash OBS. But coming up, starting March 10th, is Finding God Faithful by Kelly Minter. And Not so, to be confused with Kelly King, but right. Kelly Minter, who <laughs> right. is a much better author. Around the office, we have to use last names for the Kellys. And the Lisas. There's and a the lot Lisas. of Lisas and Jens. Yes, we well, do. Lots of those. So um, we are really excited to have this online Bible study. If you've done our online Bible studies before, you know that you get the, the video teaching for free for a limited time online. So you just need to grab a Bible study book. And again, that's Finding God Faithful, which is all about the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Um, it's a great study, and we would love for you to join us. You can find all the details at lifewaywomen.com OBS. Thanks.
Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.